All right, guys. So we're welcome back to Let's Talk Television with Ashley and Renee. And today we actually have an interview with um, two people from a TV, uh, TV movie, or I'm sorry, a movie that's available for rental on Prime called Hamlet Horatio. And we have David Sando and David Wenzel. Is that how you say your last name? I'm going to ask you. Uh, Wenzel, like Wen that's good. Wenzel. Wenzel, like Denzel, right? That's right, <laughs> just like Denzel. David Wenzel, and so I appreciate you um, talking to me today. Um, so I want to hear more about um, the interest in Shakespeare, especially from David Sando. Perfect. Well. Shakespeare has been the love of my life. Uh, I, in my senior year of high school, I had the most magnificent teacher. And she had to be magnificent because she was a black woman. And black women, or black people in general, had very few opportunities. Right. But she was so good, she couldn't be denied. <laughs> and I was fortunate to have her as a teacher because she introduced me to the world of literature, including Shakespeare. Wow. She made me love good literature and Shakespeare. And In my senior year, as a tribute to her, I, along with a number of uh, my fellow students, did a production of Hamlet called Soliloquy in which we, three of us, shared different soliloquies from Hamlet and did them as a theatrical presentation, and we used the character of Horatio to fill in the storylines between the soliloquies. Oh, okay. And it was very successful, but, and that was my tribute of thanks to her for all she had did for me and, and the others in her class. That's and my love of Shakespeare just kept growing after that. Okay. <laughs> now, um, was this like early on, like preschool, high school? This was not, this was in my senior year, so I was senior seventeen, year. going on eighteen. Okay, so that that was a good uh, preview for your life. Absolutely, I, I've I've done many things with Shakespeare. I've adapted his plays to for musicals. Uh, like Love's Labor's Loss, I adapted the book and lyrics for that. Uh, I've done uh, a book called Shakespeare for the 21st Century with over 700 quotes that I use in ironic, uh, fun ways. Uh, and I, I've worked with the Royal Shakespeare Company as an assistant director many years ago when I was still a student at Columbia University. So I also, the Folger Library Theater in 
Washington also gave me a prize to, to do work on Shakespeare for one of their productions. So Shakespeare has been a, a wonderful part of, of my life as a writer and uh, uh, as a translator and uh, a screenwriter. Uh, but as far as the Hamlet Horatio is concerned, that, that was a project that has developed over 20 years. Wow. <laughs> I have David to thank for this happening. David, why don't you explain how this all happened? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, well, I'm, a, I'm an actor and a producer. I came to New York City, oh, eons ago from Boston, Massachusetts, but I had met David Van Doe at this convention very early on when I was a young man before I'm an old man now, but he encouraged me in my acting craft and gave me an opportunity to come to New York. And I had a you know scholarship at a school, a conservatory program to study acting. So he has been more than a mentor on a, a, a previous occasions before all of Hamlet Horatio had emerged. But back in 2000, I was cast in a production of Hamlet. Um, I was playing Laertes. And what happened was, is that the lead actor that was playing Hamlet uh, booked a TV show. So within like literally a short period of time, they had came to me and said, um, you're going to play Hamlet. And I'm like, I'm going to do what? <laughs> you're going to play Hamlet. So make a long story short, the rehearsal process was more about memorization and learning lines. And I never really felt like I had a, a full opportunity to explore the nuances of this character and so, so many depths and levels and arcs and all that kind of stuff. So in talking to David after that kind of run of that show that ran off Broadway at the Waterloo Bridge Theater Company, which is no longer in existence, David and I started to kind of talk about ideas of maybe doing different, doing another production of it and looking at it from a different perspective. So, so David and I had discussed the opportunity of doing a different interpretation of the play that would allow me the opportunity to explore the character better and, and, and just, just to give it what I felt was its due diligence that I didn't really get the opportunity before because again, it was just about really about memorization and and not, you know, and freaking out. <laughs> right. So, um, so from there, um, we kind of developed different interpretations of it, starting from Horatio's perspective, starting from the end of the play where there would be literally dead bodies on the stage and the lights would kind of, kind of come up half mass, so to speak. And it would be Hamlet and Horatio's hand touching and Hamlet basically saying a Horatio lived to tell my story and doing this kind of experimental thing from reverse and having Horatio kind of step out as the stage director. So that's kind of how this started to emerge. And then we just started tweaking from there based on audience participation, based on what we felt was working and what wasn't. That finally led to eight or nine subsequent performances um, and different interpretations that led David Van Doe to the, um, the vision of the screenplay for Hamlet Horatio. Okay. So you were fascinated with it in the beginning. <laughs> 
Yes. And then you, you were able to explore it more in depth later, and that's, that's really good. Right. I, I had not seen Hamlet before, <laughs> and so I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, I didn't have any previous experience with it. And so I expected there to be some type of um, twist to it mm-hmm. um, when it first started. And I guess, guys, this would be spoiler for Hamlet. <laughs> You've never seen it. Um, so when he put the jacket on um, near the beginning, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking he's somehow... Um, like it's connected to a ghost or something. And it maybe it's just my, you know, because I have this mind that's always interested in mystery. And so I assume that's what it was. But I, I didn't quite understand some of it. Um, can you give like a synopsis of the story? Yeah, I mean, well, like you, did you get the aspects of the story coming from the perspective of the, the plight of Hamlet and his journey about, ascertaining you know who murdered his father and and the spiritual conquest of dealing with is this a a, a spirit uh, from the world of the spiritual world or is this a demonic force tempting me to do something I shouldn't be doing so you understood all those components right yeah I did yeah so the the beginning without giving it away too much for the audience is really as Horatio has stepped out of the piece and he's now kind of the stage director. So you have like the cast and crew starting to come through doors. Hamlet comes through that door. The symbolism of the jacket going on Hamlet is the relationship between Hamlet and Horatio, where we are going to begin the process of the story of live to tell my story, Hamlet's perspective. So it's more of just prepping the audience as this is our Hamlet. We're introducing you to the actor because it's the film within the film within the film before he steps into the action of the film action of the play. I know that sounds confusing, but it, <laughs> it's not. Um, it really is the introduction of Hamlet. Okay. Because it's, it's the story of Hamlet and Horatio is the, is the uh, director putting the pieces together, fulfilling his obligation to the oath that he took from Hamlet not to commit suicide and drink the poison but to live to tell the story as Hamlet has progressed. Okay, right. that, that actually helps quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, for the fact of the matter is you are the absolute audience that we were looking for. We didn't, I mean, it's great if you're a Shakespeare fan, you're gonna, you're definitely gonna get it. Hopefully you're gonna love it. Like, you know, there's no promises or guarantees. Um, we won a lot of awards. Um, we've, we've done very, very well. Um, but we really set out to design and make a film that would be a little bit more contemporary-esque in its understanding that a younger audience and someone that wasn't really privy to Shakespeare wouldn't be so alienated from a a traditional production from the RSC of Hamlet or the Royal Shakespeare Company, so to speak. So um, we made it in that kind of contemporary sense to uh, make it accessible to audiences that normally wouldn't. That's, no, why did, that's why we did it as a film, because mm-hmm. we right. can reach much larger audiences. Right. And I was very careful in the editing of the text and the creating of, of scenes to make the language very accessible mm-hmm. because, because 
there are, are some passages in, in the original play and throughout many of Shakespeare's plays, there are some vocabulary words and some expressions that no longer ring true to us. Correct. So I, I had to rethink those, those terms and words uh, and choose other words that would have been in Shakespeare's vernacular so I'm not using contemporary slang or something of that nature, but still get the meaning across so that you right. could see the film as you did and you weren't lost in, in words you didn't understand, were you? Exactly, right, yeah. So that's what we've done. We've, we've taken the liberty, as long as you were taking the liberty of making this into a film, and as we expressed, it's, it's a film within a film, within the film, and we have honed the script down to its bare essence, because the script on, on, on stage, on cut, can go for four or five hours. So this is uh, like an, an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. And we have concentrated on this, the spiritual relationship of these two men. You've already alluded to the, the ghost of, of Hamlet's dead father that appears to him and and Hamlet has to come to the realization what the ghost said to him. The ghost said, I didn't die a natural death. Right. I was murdered by your uncle, my brother. Revenge me, Hamlet, for I am doomed to walk the earth for all eternity. His right. soul will be in limbo. Right, right. And you, you will see in the references where mo we, we really were very specific on the spiritual aspects of the, of the film um, and the symbolisms of God and Jesus. If you look at that as the ghost walking, I mean, Christi Christianity is Christianity. There's different forms of Christianity. But, you know, in, in my view, regardless of what everyone says, Shakespeare was an Irish Catholic. And I think he's making a reference to that. I'm just making that a joke. I don't want to ail anybody. But um, I think he's, you know, that's a that's definitely a purgatory reference where the soul is not purged in its current state. It it didn't get to hell, but it got to purgatory. But it's still not ready to see the um, uh, to be in the presence of the divine because there's still unclean such things in there, such as what represents purgatory, so to speak. But I mean, I, I, we certainly didn't want to make this a religious debate. We just wanted to show everyone, um, you know, that we're very conscious of the fact of the immortality of people. And there is something, you know, um, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, that are built to your philosophy, meaning there are certainly more things than uh, what happens in this lifespan after. Oh, absolutely. So, and, you know, and that's the thing that we really wanted to bring home, especially during, we couldn't have planned it perfectly coming into a pandemic because we didn't know a pandemic was going to come, but it certainly represents life, death, love, 
and you know your soul and you know i think all those things have come in question one during the pandemic and then two with the things that were happening in the realm of the pandemic with black lives matter and these movements to make aware of right and wrong life and death consequences i mean the, the film is definitely in that that realm and i hopefully it speaks to that as well even though we weren't conscious of what that was but then again this film has had angels along the way every time we had a problem it would resolve itself in less than 24 hours and we believe you know god and our angels were looking out for us and obviously they had a bigger plan for this than we knew at that current time we finished production literally a couple of months before the pandemic and then we had to go into post-production during the pandemic literally sending the files and doing everything as we possibly can virtual and then there was no film festivals to hear of, but everything luckily turned virtual and we were able to get our film into festivals that maybe people wouldn't have accepted it in the traditional world if it was a screening and then looking at it saying, well, Shakespeare's not a commercially viable thing. And, you know, we're going to go with this little action film where someone gets shot in the head 10 times and, you know, that kind of, I don't want to say garbage, it's a form of entertainment, but not kind of on the level of what, you know, we were doing in this narrative, right? So. Um, that's kind of where we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, can, I can say I was a little fascinated to hear some of the quotes from the uh, film that I've probably heard my whole life and <laughs> wondered well, where they came from. <laughs> they, yeah. What people don't realize, people say, oh, I can't understand Shakespeare and this and, you know, it's so foreign to me. And I say, well, You've been quoting Shakespeare all your life, whether you know it or not. Yeah. Neither a borrow nor a lended be, bated breath. Uh, to be uh, or not to be. Be or not, or, or not, not to be. We are such stuff that dreams are made of. Nothing succeeds like success. Dead as a doornail. All those are expressions <laughs> from Shakespeare. Yeah. You don't know it, but that's, that's where they came from. Yeah. The influence on the English language has been tremendous. Right. Tremendous. Yeah. So that, that was very, um, <laughs> that was interesting to me too, what you were talking about before. Um, I did want to ask a couple, I guess, a couple of general questions as sure. far as like your uh, careers. Mm -hmm. um, I know um, Mr. Bando said that the Shakespeare came from. Um, being um, introduced during his high school. Uh, what about the overall idea of being in, you know, Hollywood and doing cinematography and all of that? Well, I think like David's career, what, what's interesting is, and then not to speak in turn for David, but David had, uh, had heavy influences in school and came from a very theatrical uh, family that was open to the arts. I didn't really have that privy because I came from a town in Massachusetts where, you know, men don't really show their feelings and, you know, everything stays behind closed doors and that kind of thing. Um, my experiences have been a little bit different, but meeting David has, has allowed me to be an artist and, and, and find out what my voice is. So I have, David has done a lot of work as a playwright, um, uh, now an accredited screenwriter and has done a lot of work as also a performer on the Metropolitan Opera with Franco Zeffirelli. I have done a lot of theater, but mainly 
film and television and I still audition. I work on TV and film. I have a lot of connections that I work in that regard. I spent 10 years of my life working with Brad Pitt doing, you know, photo double stand-in work, which is things that happen kind of in second unit behind the scenes. So, you know, I've been in the Hollywood world. Um, I lived in LA. I got very sick when I was in LA. Um, I don't know. I know I had gotten a, a virus that was like this acute mono, which was equated to stress. At the time I was called Epstein-Barr and I had to move back to New York. But I think, you know, Hollywood is a different perspective than a New York artist. And, and not that I'm saying they're not immersed in the craft of filmmaking. It's just a different way of filmmaking. I always thought that instead of running around with everybody trying to audition, it's best to create my own vehicles. And we have the ability now to do that. Um, and, and just not wait, even though I still, I like, I audition all the time. I got a great manager. I got a great agent. I, I book jobs. I do TV jobs. I'm currently starring on a TV show that was produced by ABC called Wild Crime. It's a uh, four-part miniseries based on a murderer in, um, that uh, murdered his wife, both of his wives, actually. So it's uh, more of a criminal investigative docudrama series where I actually play the lead killer. And that's on Hulu right now. Um, but, um, it's, this is the kind of work that I believe define, you know, careers, you know, that it's like, you know, it's like Sylvester Stallone with his first Rocky, he was given at that time in the seventies, $300,000, a lot of money and he turned it down. And here's a guy that couldn't pay his bills and had to actually, you know, sell his dog <laughs> just to get food. And can you imagine now if he had taken that money and didn't follow his artistry in his heart and didn't sell out? what that franchise would probably look like. I don't even think it would be a franchise to this point. So, you know, that's kind of the stuff that David and I do. We were like, okay, we're in a little debt here. Um, maybe we're not going to make a million dollars or $10 million, but maybe we're going to find our own audience and the ends will justify the means. And, right. and, um, and, and doing interviews and shows like this and talking to you, which is the perfect, we want to talk, to people that don't haven't had a Shakespeare background and let them know that, you know, this isn't your bad uh, eighth, ninth, 10th grade English class where you're forced to read Macbeth and, you know, <laughs> an unmotivating factor, you know, I mean, I would skip those classes too. You know, I was like, I don't, right. want, I don't want to go there. I don't want to, you know, and yeah. now look at, you know, I'm, I'm now look at, you know, it's, it's, we wanted to make it so it's, it's, you know, friendly and conducive and, saying, hey, you know, everything that you see- People who are afraid. Yeah. Give it a chance. Or intimidated or all that, you know. Um, this is like, I would say, a very highly skilled Cliff Notes version that you'll completely understand right out of the gate in terms of the story, the revenge story, you know. But it's not really a revenge story to me. It's, 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 it's not. There's so many other aspects of it, you know. And that's what makes everything like, you know, a lot of the Hollywood films and stuff still use Shakespeare as a template. The structure is the same, good versus evil. You know, you got all the Marvel characters, all that medieval stuff. It's no different. It's no, it's no different. That's the universal theme. You know, aside from the Bible, which to me is the number one literature in the, in the world, Shakespeare is number two. 
they, because they, of, they sound similar sometimes. <laughs> they are. Because a lot of them, and David will attest with their morality tales. Exactly. Where, Jesus, where Jesus spoke in parables to educate. The same thing with Shakespeare. There's just morality tales. It's abundantly clear you know who the villain is. You know who the hero is. Even in the light plays. Even in the comedies. It's, it's just, it's an abundant, it's a, it's a structure and a theme that, <laughs> that works. There's nobody really recreating the wheel. It's just telling it from a different, maybe a different perspective, but it's the same wheel, so to speak, you know? So, um, Mr. Vando, uh, what was the first uh, movie that you ever were the screenwriter on? I did... Uh... Some transfers, my first screenplays were transfers of adaptations of plays that I had written. Oh, okay. That's, that's why I first began doing screenplays. Um, then I was contacted to, to do some work on some other projects, but this is the, my first project that I've created from start, conceived of and developed and adapted to complete fruition. So for me, this is a, a, a milestone, late in life, but nonetheless, very proud of what we were all able to accomplish uh, in this uh, film. Uh, our love, our love and passion of Shakespeare inspired us and feeded the flames of our passion and It has been an immensely fulfilling experience. Very rewarding. I, I encourage all people to follow their dreams. Because unless you're willing to dream and explore, you'll never really find out what your capabilities are, will you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and what David and I have done a lot of dreaming. Yeah, we have. And a lot of hard work. And, we, well, and we've been more than amply rewarded already. As David's alluded to, we've won to this date nine first prizes at nine international film festivals. Wow. And the last one we won a month or so ago was from Russia. <laughs> How many American films come back with awards from Russia? I'm not sure, it doesn't sound like many. <laughs> well, it was a surprise to us too. Yeah. Yes, well, it was a surprise. Nothing, surpri nothing surprises us anymore. 
because this, this piece has its own destiny. And uh, I'm so glad it opened when it did. We started streaming the, the piece three months ago. Uh, basically, it was just on Amazon uh, for pay, Amazon Prime, uh, Apple TV, uh, iTunes, uh, Google Play, but now it's, it's expanded and uh, it's on uh, the direct television network. Uh, it's now on Voodoo, which is very popular and very big, as you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and for those of you who are familiar with Tubi, that's a wonderful way to see it. Right. You don't have to pay for it. Right. You just click, click on and, 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 and see it. What, what 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 could be more inviting than that? You're not even risking three or four dollars or five dollars, whatever it whatever, is. Whatever, yeah, whatever it's charged. Yeah. 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 So and I love, I really love the TV Tubi platform. I had, you know, obviously I've seen it on every platform, um, not because I'm looking to see, you know, our work and whatnot. I just want to see how it plays out. And and I actually love how it plays out. Well, I have it on my my 4K TV, but I have you know, a smart TV where TV Tubi is already up. So, and TV Tubi actually has live TV programming now, but I just loved watching it because it really captured when I went to the, um, started to play the film and the, the film filled by full screen with the surround sound and the lights off. I actually felt like I was in the movie theater, which was awesome, which was really awesome. Only I don't have to pay $20 for popcorn, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I'm, uh, I really appreciate you, uh, gentlemen, talking to me today, and I am looking forward to sharing this with everyone. Um, is there any one last thing that you would like to say quickly before we wrap up? Yeah, just encourage everyone go to help us out and help yourself out. Watch the movie. Watch the movie. Help us get, find its audience. Spread the word. Mm -hmm. The more yeah. eyes, the better. It's this is a very inspiring film, and that's what we need to come out of this pandemic. To be inspired and change our focus, and it's a very transcendent, transcendent film, where love transcends hate, light transcends darkness and our souls are uplifted. That's exactly. what we'd like to do, to share with you. Uplift your souls. Well, I appreciate it. Guys, so now we're gonna do our regular reviews. We're gonna start with Selling Sunset and then move on to Amazing Upload. And Ashley's with us now. Hi. <laughs> so, Selling Sunset was pretty interesting because um, um, you know, I, I like the way they work together, but I, I have to ask you, Ashley, what did you think about the photo shoot at the beginning? 
everyone blessed, dressed in black and red. I like the hustle and bustle of it, the feel of it. But I didn't like Chriselle. I mean, not sorry, not Chriselle, Christine. Christine. Christine was her usual old annoying self. Yeah, I felt like she really wanted all the attention. And it's like, um, hello, it's a group photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, who was it? Oh, it was Heather that asked, do you guys just look at yourself or are you looking at everybody? <laughs> and you know that Christine had to be looking at herself. Yeah, I mean, uh, admittedly, she was sitting in a like awkward position, like... They could have they could have given her a pillow, I think. But she wasn't sitting there that long. Um I yeah, always I, talk about how weird that Christine looks. But <laughs> that dress actually looked really good on her. Yeah. I think she has an unusual look. Almost like a Russian. Is that like a Russian look? Kind of very blonde and and pale or Um, I think it's a plastic surgery look. Oh, <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> you always say that. <laughs> um, I can't wait. Um, I guess they'll have the pictures next week, but they show, um, I'm just going to spoil it for you. <laughs> They're going to show them um, on like a billboard somewhere in the area. Ooh, um, Christine must love that. From the, uh, you know, from the photo. 20 feet high. From the photo shoot. So yeah, I was kind of looking forward to being this one, but they probably got, you know, the ads, they have to pick out the best ones and everything. So, yeah, that is kind of cool. Um, so, what was your viewpoint on the whole, uh, this thing where they have to compete? The uh, state hunger games? Yeah, to sell for this lady. Um, at first, I didn't remember it. Uh, when Chriselle took the dog walking with the lady... Um, I was like, oh man, she's really trying to get in good with her. And then yeah, I saw yeah. that Christine took it for a drink, uh, which is kind of, they did their own kind of, you know, personality related thing. So that was kind of cool, really. Um, and then so you kind of see she's probably more down home than I know the person that they were going to work with because oh, she picked Alexandra. the person that had the, the dog and they, you know, they were chatting about, you know, just you know girl stuff but I, I I just I just think that it shows more of her way of thinking is what I'm saying because obviously Christine had more experience yeah which interaction did you personally like better did you like Chriselle doing the whole dog walking thing to get in good with her or did you prefer Christine's taking her out for a drink like I, I think I like the dog walking more, but it kind of felt a little personal, I think. Um, even though the drinking was I don't know. I don't know. That they both had their downsides, I guess. You know. Yeah, let's I go, agree. Let's go to a bar, you know, <laughs> you know. Or let's do something personal, like take our dogs for a walk. They both had Kind of like downsides in my viewpoint i think it was good that chriselle tried to 
I think it was good that Chriselle tried to reach out to her personally on something that she liked, but at the same time, it felt yeah. a little bit like she was trying too hard. Yes. <laughs> but it, it Chriselle's, I mean, Christine, <laughs> why did they both have to have C names? Christine and Chriselle. Christine's thing I thought it was kind of cool because she didn't make it seem like she was trying too hard like she was trying to get in good with her it just seemed like a natural environment for her but at the same time it felt like Chriselle put in more work so right I get what you're saying when you're saying that they both had their assets and their downsides to their approaches exactly yeah and you know how do you know what someone's really looking for right yeah but, you know Chriselle, like she said though she just she had to look for a house more recently mm-hmm. um so that was probably uh, part of why she picked her too because she felt like it's maybe more again a little more personal and she's, you know, she was saying, I'm going to be more like the personal touch. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh, geez. When Chriselle picked up that call from Alex, is it Alexandra or Alexandria? I was like, so is she calling Chriselle to tell her that she got the job? Because if that's not why she's calling her, if she's calling her to reject her, that seems kind of lame to do that just over <laughs> the phone in the office. Right. So, so the first time that you saw it, because I know that you've seen this series multiple times. Yes. What did you think? Did you think that she was going to say, oh, Chriselle, you have the job? Or did you think No, I actually Christine thought originally it? that Christine would get it. Because the first time I saw it, I felt like Chriselle was kind of like going overboard um, and I thought Christine probably had it so your thoughts were a little bit similar to mine about trying too hard yeah but that was like you know like I said the first time I was like oh okay so I won't tell you anything else because we'll see what happens <laughs> yeah well I thought that Christine was going to get it but then I also thought maybe Alexandra's going for the underdog and like the you underdog said, yeah yeah and also like you said Chriselle made it a little bit more personal and Christine mm-hmm. seemed a little bit too confident right yeah that can be a downside oh so also one major thing about that call Christine was so unprofessional she didn't say anything unless they edited it out which they absolutely could have she didn't say thanks Alexandra she didn't (laughs) respond to her at all it was Hmm. total loser sour grapes there was no response at all Yeah. what did you think of that yeah I I thought the same thing it was a little bit unprofessional But I mean, you know, sometimes you're in your feelings and other times your feelings are in you. I, I know, but it's a job. 
we we all feel like that, but you gotta be professional. Yeah, you can't just not say anything. Or she should have said, "Well, thanks for considering me." Or she right. didn't even have to say, "Thanks for considering me." Just be appreciative. Right, that she had the opportunity. Right, because yeah. hey, and actually, I get a good response. Like you were talking about, could still get her another client from Alexandra. Because she may know someone who may be more interested in working with Christine, so yeah, yeah it's only, it's it's usually better just to be nice. <laughs> and you would expect Christine to be more professional since she's been working there for four years. Well, <laughs> oh, I guess. In other news, <laughs> what else was going on in this episode? <laughs> Actually, not much else was going on. Uh, seems like something else was going on that we haven't. Heather had that Brandon guy come by. Yes, that was interesting. They were making fun of his his highlights. His frosted tips. I think that was Christine, I think, that said that. Yeah, his frosted tips. And I couldn't even figure out what they were talking about. I was looking and looking. I was like, oh, yeah, those are kind of, it's been a while, I think. <laughs> yeah, frosted tips have not been in trend since the late 90s. So it's been about 20 years. And I'm thinking that this episode was filmed in, what, 2017, 2018? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Either yeah, way, she you said, added uh, up. What does he think he is, a Backstreet Boy? <laughs> Maybe he does. But um, he's still cute. <laughs> I don't seemed know. a little less dramatic than everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Which um, makes him kind of cute. So Heather does too. She seems a little less dramatic than some she of the does. others. Yeah. Also, um, uh, hello, Heather got a $180,000 commission. She got a six-figure yeah, commission. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Congratulations, Heather. It's amazing. <laughs> you didn't really want to know what I thought when I saw that amount, but <laughs> no, because I, I actually thought it was a little small. It didn't seem like much. Is the, the first thing I thought when I saw it was, that's all she got. <laughs> that's a lot. But that's a lot. You know, you know how my mind thinks sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, but that was my thought, guys. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know what was going on with that, but it's still good. She made something. So I don't think yep. there was anything else going on in this episode. Yeah, I feel like we're forgetting something major, and I don't know why. <laughs> because uh, there was I nothing guess... else going on. <laughs> Maybe I mean... that's what it was. I mean, I guess because they did show the whole thing about them going to the house and talking to Alexandra. So they kind of went through the whole procedure in one episode. So, Except, for Maya. Except for Maya saying that she's getting her ultrasound. There's right. nothing else going on. Yeah. All right. So if we're complete, we can move on to upload now. called a sleepover guys that gives you a hint 
so I know you, you loved it. You already said you loved it. You told me you loved it. <laughs> I I was... love this episode a lot more than last week's. I think the fun. What funny part? Board? Uh, with Nisha and Luke. Is Joe Oh, yeah. You did break that just sure. for a second. Oh, was that you? Yeah, that was... I liked it. I liked it better than the whole funny thing with Luke. Luke and uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting Luke mixed up with the with Dylan, the little kid. No, Luke is the guy, the yeah. older guy. I mean, the, the he's the same age like as Nathan, I guess. But he was uh he was being naughty, and and Anisha, is there Anisha or Alicia? Started, I think it started taking his fingers. It was the running joke. It seemed like it just ran out because it's just, oh my god, it was so much of it. I'm gonna take your fingers, and then oh, you're always taking my fingers. And then he, she took something else. And he's like, don't do that. Oh, I see. My mind is in the gutter. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I love that she had a folder on her desktop labeled fingers and dicks. <laughs> Did you notice that? Oh, my God. I remember that. <laughs> In any other oh situation, it would be something completely different. It would be yeah. somebody's stash. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, like I said, I feel like it It was like, okay, the first time. And then it seems like they just kind of went further and further with it. Until yeah. I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite of you. I really liked it. <laughs> well... That's why we get along so well. <laughs> so, what did you like about this episode? Um, I like that uh, Nora had some time to, you know, talk to Nathan, but that she also was open to talk to Baron. Um, Byron. Byron, yeah. And um, wasn't it someone else that recommended that she actually was it her dad? It they recommended she spend more time with the with the alive man than the, the dead man, which makes a lot more sense. Well, yeah, it does make sense, but I, it's kind of interesting that he was the one that, the way that he said it, you know. Oh, I see what you're talking about. It was funny the way he put it. What did he <laughs> say? He said, "Oh, oh, he sounds like a good catch." because he's alive or something like that yeah something like that we should one of us should have wrote it down because it was really hilarious the way <laughs> he put it I think she just rolled her eyes um, if I oh, remember he said, he said something like oh he sounds like he's got good qualities because he's alive or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah of course she didn't go into the whole details of their situation so he might not have approved so much if she'd known about the nightly app. I don't know. He might be more open-minded than that. Oh, you think I so? Think that, yeah, possibly. I think he was just happy that she was hanging out with somebody that was alive. Or just hanging out with someone else in general. In you know. general, <laughs> yeah. Not just... So, because he, started- you know... Na- 
Nathan is an extension of her job, you know. That's true. We started the episode where Byron was in the drugstore looking for a pack of condoms. <laughs> and I thought Is that what he was so... looking for? Yeah, he was looking for a pack of condoms and oh, they was were that... out of his size. And some and something about large and the, and the machine said that's not correct. The machine I remember said that it was all over the speaker it said that he needed medium size. I mean and no, that's but pretty I, where, embarrassing. But some, but I think he said large, and then the computer made a comment like that's not accurate or something like that. Yeah, that's the part that he, I thought was embarrassing. He, he was embarrassed because everybody heard over the loudspeaker right. okay. what size he needed. It's so funny the way you remember some things and I remember other things. <laughs> I, well, yeah. did you think it was kind of funny though? Yeah, I, I I thought the, I thought it was funny because I think the because the machine was the one that made the correction. You like it better than the fingers and dicks thing? Yeah, I do. <laughs> and I, and the thing, I, to be clear, the problem was that is it, it seemed like it was like a, the running joke that just ran too far for me, for me like okay it's not we get it it was a dirty joke it, they just no just it wasn't that it. part it was just that sometimes when i'm watching things i find something amusing for a minute and then i feel like they take it overboard and yeah. so that was kind of like one of those things with me like okay it was funny for a second but do we have to keep going back to it you know but i know it's some shows of- are a little running jokes which can be fun it's kind of like when I was at my friend's tonight and she's her daughter kept on doing knock-knock jokes for like 20 minutes. Would you say it's a little bit like that? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, then, okay, so... And, and then my friend said, stop harassing my friends. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So, okay, let's go back to the Creek. show. So like in Schitt's Creek, <laughs> you know I was going to bring up an example. In Schitt's Creek, they have certain names that they use multiple times. And I, I think it has to be a running joke because it's like of all the names in all the world, right? Why do they mm-hmm. use these certain names over and over again? <laughs> so to me, that would be like a running joke. Like apparently they didn't take the time to look up to see if they already used this name in the show, <laughs> they're just going to use it for someone else. Like uh, Alexis Mill name is supposedly Claire, but one of her best friends is also Claire. <laughs> it's like of all the names, right? So to me, you know the whole what, name kind of like a running joke. You know what other show I've noticed does that? Gilmore Girls. I've really? noticed that, yeah. Because I've seen it so much, I've noticed that some characters will have certain names in the first few seasons, and then you'll hear in the last season that other characters have the same names. If you pay close attention, it does happen. It's kind of like, 
but with Gilmore Girls, I don't know if they did that intentionally. With Shit's Creek, I could see them definitely doing that intentionally. Right, because it's not like there were that many main characters. Yeah. Yeah, people came and went, really. You know. It's, it's, it's funny. <laughs> okay, so back to upload. <laughs> so what did you think about the, the time that Nora spent with Nathan? Byron. Oh, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Well, first I wanted to talk about her time spent with Byron. Oh, yes. I thought it was nice that they went on an actual date. Yes. I mean, there's no issue with just sleeping together. That's completely fine. But it was nice to actually see Byron in a different light. And conversation. Yeah, to see that he wasn't just basically a dick. Yeah. Although Nora didn't really like what she saw she it was like seeing his human side made him more unappealing right to her because all she wanted was sex and so when she actually saw his human qualities it was like it became too real for her or something and she realized that this isn't Nathan yeah you know, and the way that I looked at it, I think, is more like, okay, he wants to get to know me. That's fun. But it's kind of like after you do those, you know, the little time of speaking to someone and asking the basic questions and all that, there's like nothing left that you actually have in common. Like, okay, now I know everything. You know, I know these things that you told me, but there's not like any... Um, uh, coinciding things that are the same, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it still didn't click, I don't think. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that bound them together. They didn't really have right. anything in common. That's a good word. <laughs> like it? Oh, yeah. I thought yours was better. What did you say? Co- yours was a lot fancier. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she basically she tried. I, I'm not. I don't. It's obvious she didn't feel like she succeeded in the whole, whole bounding thing, the binding thing. There will be no bound binding tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, though. She tried, or she tried to try at least. <laughs> Her, her father's recommendation right and then what happened she took Byron to her workplace and oh. Nathan was pa- painting or whatever you want to call it using digital pieces to paint and he's like oh that's so cool look at how little he is he looks real and then Nora <laughs> says well he is real and she tells Byron that she's gonna end the date so that she can stay late Go to back. work. Which is like the ultimate dismissal, but he didn't seem upset by it. Well, I was because very surprised I, by that. Well, I think it's because her excuse sounded kind of logical, like, oh, she has some things she, she remembered she needed to do or something like that. 
she didn't make it like a big deal. She just made like, you know what? Now that I'm here, I remember those things that I really need to do tonight. I hope it's okay. You know, and he's like, oh, okay, you know, see you later or whatever. Well, I could see if it was, maybe it's because they basically just mostly have a sexual relationship. I can see that if it was just hooking up and they're like, okay, I'm done. So I'm going to do some other stuff now. So, I mean, it's not like they, they've been dating a lot or whatever, but yeah, I see what you're saying, you know? So he was like, okay, well, you know, we have a pretty casual relationship. So if you got to do some other stuff, that's cool. I'll see you later. Right. He seems like a pretty confident guy. Right. I thought it was hilarious that she basically ended her date with him (laughs) to go on a date with Nathan. (laughs) Right. Well, I guess that happens sometimes. But he had had no idea. But that's okay. (laughs) Who, who had no idea? What did you say? Byron had no idea that she oh, was yeah. timing him He's with got no person. clue. He's got no clue what's <laughs> going on. And and then they got in trouble for her staying all night talking. Well, obviously, the whole fact that she was there in the morning when she should have been at work or somewhere else. <laughs> well, Alicia, what is it? Alicia, Alicia came in and then she said girl what are you doing here Mm, and then her boss shows up and says what the (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it looks like Nora's gonna get in trouble yeah she's always in trouble she's always getting demoted and remoted or whatever you want to call it what did she say you're a 5.8 I'm gonna make you a 3.8 or a 3.6 or 4.2 she didn't even know she she, she just wanted to punish her. She just wanted to punish her. She didn't even know what number to put her on. So what other things did we have going on in this episode? I felt like as opposed to selling Sunset, there was a lot going on in this, what, 40 minutes? Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was, I always feel, I always feel like there's something that we missed. Um, yeah, guys, I just feel like that sometimes. Um, well, you also watched this episode a while ago. Yeah, so, and then I rewatched it. It seems like there was something about, oh, Fran went missing. Fran uh, went remember missing. Remember, they mentioned something about she wasn't back yet from where she had gone. And then someone said, oh, maybe she did something else. But right now, I think they don't realize she's actually missing. They don't realize that she's actually dead, that she was murdered. Or at least her self-driving car went into the ocean. Yeah, I I don't think she dies. Oh, I forgot. No, you've seen it before. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's dead, isn't she? I don't think she died. I I think she's resurrected. Is she? I. That's so funny that I don't remember that. I know that she got hurt, but I don't think she died. It was basically and Karen. Dun, dun, dun. We'll find out. 
You know, one of these major thing. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just thinking one of these shows. I think it was upload that I didn't. Rem- I certainly didn't remember the part about the finger, the making the missing fingers. There was parts of this uh, upload that I didn't remember seeing before. Um, I didn't go ahead. The missing fingers either. What I was gonna just going to say another major plot point was Ingrid and Nathan's niece. Ingrid how and she Nathan took one? her, how she took her to dinner, and we realized she took Nathan's niece to dinner. Yes. Oh, I love that part. That was a great part. Yes, and I, I didn't think of it till you did. Yeah, go ahead and give your version of that because I like that. I think it highlighted why Ingrid is the way she is. Because you yeah. see the way her family interacts. And they are atrocious to each other. They're very mean-spirited. And surprisingly, Ingrid was the best of the bunch. I've never seen Ingrid in such an empathetic light. What did you think of it? Yeah. Right. Can you still you know hear me? What? I totally missed everything you said. You just clicked out. Oh, okay. Oh, can you still hear me? Oh, no. And I still can't hear you. Connecting issue. Hold on. Hello? Hello? All right, guys. I can hear you now. It was a it was an internet issue. <laughs> okay. So, so your description of the dinner was that it's the first time we've seen her as being functional, as opposed to the rest of her dysfunctional family. Yeah. Because I always figured she was dysfunctional, like. The way that she was thinking and acting. Now we know, like you said, now we know why. But she turned out to be the one to tell everyone to just go away. <laughs> I thought that was perfect. And that was so funny when Nathan said to his niece, Don't let her straighten your hair. <laughs> and then after she makes her family leave, she says to her, Oh, let's go do our hair together and make them look similar. And, her- and you think that she's going to straighten her hair, but what does she do instead? She, she curls her own hair. That's oh, so, it was so cute. That's probably like the best, the best, um, best thing she does in this show. I'm serious. <laughs> it was adorable. Yeah, that was cool. And then we also find out that she has nothing to do, at least thus far, we think, that she has nothing to do with Nathan's death. Because remember, we saw from the security footage 
the that night she was that in Nathan the died. Yeah, that she was right next to the car, looking mm-hmm. very suspicious. Right. But she said that she had actually put it in, what was it, priority driver mode instead of priority pedestrian? I get them so confused. Every time she says something about the car, I'm like, what? I was confused, too. I'm telling you. With occupant or something, and I was like, okay, don't get them confused, guys. <laughs> yeah, I. it took me about three minutes to figure it out. I was like, what? Oh, now I remember prioritize occupant meant, like, it doesn't matter if pedestrians are in the street or whatever, just run them over is that I what that means? Okay. I, I think so I mean I think prioritize p- pedestrian would be stop the car if, or go slower I don't know for sure I'm not sure either <laughs> but, we'll have to look that up and see what they mean by those terms but anyway the whole point was that we knew that she didn't have anything to do with Nathan's death right yeah, it, it seems more like something that would be involved, uh, like a business situation. People, you know, making money and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think they were getting to do, they were getting ready to do something that was going to uh, create a, you know, going to make them a lot of money. And he was in the way, apparently. Yeah, Nathan and his business partner were trying to sell it. But he didn't want to do something a certain way that his business partner did. Right. Yes. Business partner. Yeah. And so we found out Nora was being back to being unprofessional. Nora admits to Nathan on their sleepover date under the stars that somebody... Or not some, she didn't say somebody. She said that his memory folder on her computer had been damaged and some of his memories had been deleted. Yes. Now, why would she tell him that? Hmm. She's not supposed to. No. She's not supposed to do a lot of things that she does. You know, it's a miracle. She still, it's a miracle. She still has that job. <laughs> I think she did it because she's falling in love. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't really make it wrong either, but it makes it a little unprofessional. To are say you saying least. two? Are you trying to tell me two wrongs make a right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> okay, so it's not right. It's not wrong. But it is unprofessional. And what school did you go to where two wrongs make a right? <laughs> the school of life? Yes, the, the hard knock school of life. <laughs> so what's I'm I'm dying I'm seriously dying to hear what's your opinion on her on her telling him that? Well I think that um <laughs> You really want to know what I think? I really do. <laughs> Dude, that's the whole point of our podcast. I really I know, know I know. What you think. So, okay, so here's my opinion. I think if she's going to like him, that's fine. I think if she wants to help him, that's fine. Doesn't she have other people she needs to be helping too? 
I was gonna say, you mean like live people? You mean people? No, I mean like, like she's got to have more. Have, she obviously has clients. More than, more than one client. <laughs> but I know that she likes him, so I I, I appreciate I that, that she. I appreciate that she wants him to know. And you know what? He really needs a hobby anyway. So he can take some no. he can take <laughs> <laughs> he can take some time and do some investigating from the inside, maybe. Well, I but mean, yeah. He kind of does have a hobby with the digital painting. Oh, pfft, that's a new hobby and it's not he's not doing very good. <laughs> Well, he's not really painting, though, is he? It's just basically... what I don't know. He's just, like, thinking of... He's looking at what's in front of him and then pretending that he's painting. I'm not even sure how it works. It may be like the collages that I create. And you know what? I love my collages, so watch what you say. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. I'm a huge collager. Is that a word? I'm huge into collages. It is now. Collages. Look up Webster's. Yes. I still want to call, look up like, Webster's. Call, call Webster's. You have a new word. Oh, you know what? Maybe I should. I'm a collager. Collager. I'm a collager. I was looking at my collages a couple nights ago, and I miss making them. So, I don't know if that's exactly what they're doing, but it could be. Numbers. <laughs> Maybe it's a little bit like. Pinterest, but collaging, collaging. I can't even yes. say it right now. Oh my god, collage. <laughs> I can say collage, but I can't say any other iteration of it. <laughs> it's kind of like some people say garage. Garage the key is very smooth, while others say garage. Okay. Like we we wandered into spelling spelling way, land way, now. Way out, <laughs> and we need to but go back onto the, the track, perhaps. Um, so I, I had I saw other people doing the painting too before, and I I didn't understand it then either. So I was just like, what are they doing? But you know, honestly, everything in the world is digital. So what else can they do? get a different hobby <laughs> that's but what they you're is. suggesting for Nathan well I was suggesting it for Nathan because that's not really his kind of thing he's like a computer programmer guy that was I, that was just something he was trying out so maybe he should do something that's more technical yes that's a technical investigator that's what you're saying yeah okay yes. I get it I can't wait to see how this series ends. Like, all of a sudden, I'm just wondering what's going to happen. <laughs> That's well, probably a good thing. season two is, I think it's coming back early next year. Hopefully. Yeah, I, I saw somewhere. I don't remember the date, but they're definitely working on it. Yeah, it's in production right now. Okay. Well, now that we've wandering around, wandered around that for a while... <laughs> Around Nathan and Nora's date. Nathan and in and in. <laughs> hmm. So I, I feel really complete on it right now. 
I feel excessively complete on it. Right. So since we had an amazing interview at the beginning of the podcast, I think we're going to skip our extra review today, guys. And I want you all to look forward to Dynasty next week. Unless you have something else you'd like to share. I think I've shared a lot. <laughs> I'm glad I'm you're feeling better. Complete. I'm glad you're feeling better this week. So, guys, until next time. Bye.